Welcome to the Ars Technicast, where we bring you the latest in the worlds of computing, technology, science, and everything else in between. During each episode, a group of Ars staffers will dig deep into some of the issues we've covered on the site. We'll also talk about some of the other stuff we're doing when we're not circling the Ars orbiting headquarters. I'm your host, Senior Apple Editor Jackie Chang, and on this week's show, we have Social Editor Cesar Torres. Howdy. Associate Writer Casey Johnston. Hello. And Reviews Editor Lee Hutchinson. That's me. So the idea for this show came up because we were we were kind of talking about what we're going to see during summer movie season now that it's May and movies are starting to come out. Um, so actually, I just want to like open it up right away. Which movies are you guys looking forward to seeing, or if you've already seen some, what have you seen? I was looking. I was really looking forward to seeing Great Gatsby, uh, but then yeah. the reviews are coming out and they are not so great. So I'm a little like uh, apprehensive now. I'm really looking forward to seeing it too, but I'm I'm worried because I don't want to have too high expectations. It's also it's also like a long like when when a movie is over two hours, I start to get kind of like uh like I I start to really judge it. Like I can I can watch almost anything for an hour and a half, but once you start to edge into like the two and a half hour, three hour territory, I'm I'm really apprehensive about seeing seeing movies that long for some reason. Cesar, did you say that you saw Iron Man three? Or no. I have an update. In fact, I'm seeing it tonight. Oh, okay. So, so you haven't seen it yet. Got it. Yeah. And for um, me, Iron Man kicks off for me my, my summer movie going season. I, I don't see every single summer movie, but definitely you can count in the superhero, sci-fi, horror genre. I will probably be there for all those. And um, I can't wait, but I won't have any reports until I tweet about it later. I, I am... I am literally looking on trailers.apple.com right now because I have absolutely no idea what's coming. I'm that guy. Um, okay, wait, that's not true. The, the Will Smith, um, future post-apocalyptic M. Night Shyamalan movie. That, that, oh, looked yeah, interesting. yeah. Is that, that, is that actually coming That's one I have, summer? I have reserved, I have reserved high hopes for. What is, it looks I like can't, it could be good. I can't remember the name of that one. Um, I almost said welcome to Earth. <laughs> but if you've, if you've seen the preview, that's basically what it is. Yeah, yeah. You know, one of the things that's hilarious about it is that they completely corrupt anything Darwin ever uh, proposed about the theory of evolution. And the, in the preview, they go, oh, every creature on this planet has evolved specifically to kill humans. Dude, it's M. Night Shyamalan. Yeah. <laughs> I um man, what is it? Like I'm even looking on IMDb right now, and I can't uh, can't figure it out. I, I'm looked, excited. I'm just going oh, after uh, to Earth. Go. What is it after? Is it after Earth? Yeah, I think it's after Earth. Okay, so like it, so Earth was. Oh, I wasn't that far off. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm I'm never going to be able to remember the real title. It's like I'm going to be telling my friends, "Dude, we got to go see After Earth," and they're going to be like, or, "No, Welcome to Earth." And I'm going to be like, Welcome to Earth. "Independence Day 2? No, anyone? <laughs> mm, isn't uh, isn't it at three or something now? Or am I just uh, making things worse? <laughs> oh, Independence Day three. I'm sorry. Oh. Uh, I don't think there's a, t- uh, is there an independence day too? No, no, it's, oh. in, it's in development hell or early development or something. I, I put a post up about it actually with some oh. champion Photoshop work of like oh. two white houses being blown up. 
Yeah, see, that's why I thought it was three, because I thought it was especially bad. <laughs> <laughs> so, so for the benefit of our listeners, we'll just mention some of the movies that are about to roll out, in case you're not a movie person like Lee. Uh, there's Star Trek Into Darkness, uh, Fast and oh, Furious yeah. 6, The Hangover Part 3, After Earth. And then we've got Man of Steel, which is a new Superman movie, Monsters University, World War Z, which is a zombie movie. Quite yes. a lot of stuff. Oh, okay. Now, you know what? World War Z, I, so I take exception. I am actually a movie person. I'm just not a <laughs> current movie person. And World War Z is one that I've been, I've been watching for a long time because, you know, obviously I read the book. Everybody read the book when a couple of years ago when it, when it came out and it was all huge. <clears throat> and, um, for a while, I know J. Michael Straczynski was, was, was doing the script for the movie and he was trying to do it. In kind of the same way as the book, as the book does. And, you know, J. Michael Straczynski, I, oh, sorry. Straczynski, I really like him. He's, he's, you know, I love Babylon 5 because I'm a nerd. Um, and he's done a lot of excellent work. He's done Jeremiah. Uh, he wrote for, <laughs> weirdly enough, you may have grown up watching J. Michael Straczynski stuff because he wrote for Murder, She Wrote and Masters of the Universe and, and a lot of other TV shows that you might have grown up with. Anyway, World War Z, I was really following. And then now that the trailers, are coming out. It's looking like it has absolutely nothing to do with the book. And instead it just kind of looks like a Brad Pitt vehicle, zombie movie, bleh kind of thing. And I'm a lot less really? excited about it. Yeah. Hmm. I, I would yeah. agree. Yeah. It doesn't, it looks like a bit of a letdown just on trailer alone. Have you all read the book? I have not read the book. I have read the book. I, I have The book's done, the book's done like a series of, uh, of journal entries and interviews. So it's, mm -hmm. it's not, there's no like, over, there kind of is a narrative, but it's not like, like a, like a story story. It's just like a series of interviews that sort of explain okay. the, you know, the zombie apocalypse. It's a great book. Um, and the audiobook actually has, um, uh, Mark Hamill does a lot of uh, the narration in the audiobook. It's a good audiobook. Hmm. Yeah. I have been encouraged to read it, uh, but I have not gotten there yet. But um, the movie does look, uh, yes, very, very Brad Pitt uh, <laughs> focused, I guess. Huh. So. How couldn't it be? He's so charismatic. He's so dreamy. <laughs> uh, some of the other ones we didn't mention, and they're worth noting just because there are these giant movies you have to see in a big theater. Are, uh, let's see, Despicable Me 2 and Pacific Rim, which is the new Guillermo del Toro movie with giant robots and monsters. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Sounds well, does, promising. Doesn't that have, um, doesn't that have, no, does it have Hugh Jackman in it or is that like a dream I had or something? No, that that's The Wolverine, which is also coming out this summer. And I that's, that's part of that Marvel right. universe. Yeah. I thought Hugh Jackman did a robot fighting movie or was that like last year with, never mind. That's the Rocky <laughs> Sockham robots thing I'm thinking of. Never mind. Yeah. Whole different thing. And that one, I think there's another sequel in the works for that. Pacific Rim. I'm, I'm looking at the New York Times list of uh, summer movies. And the only name I see that I recognize is Idris Elba. Oh, who, cool. is, who I only know is like that wire guy. No, wait a minute. Or the wire. Sorry. Didn't Ellen McLean do like voiceover work for Pacific Rim? It wasn't like in the trailer, Ellen McLean, the voice of GLaDOS and Portal wasn't, didn't she do Ooh. like the computer voice in the trailer for that movie? Wow. I would see that on that fact alone. I think she now, did. If that's true. That sounds amazing. I'll have to go look <laughs> it up, but I'm, I'm pretty sure I watched the trailer for it. Although I don't know, maybe 
maybe I was high or something because I'm thinking Hugh Jackman was in the movie. But I, you know, I swear <laughs> Ellen McLean did voiceover work for it. So I assume no one has seen this Tom Cruise movie also, Oblivion. I think it was just released like not Ooh, too long ago. Nope. <laughs> no. I, I, I skipped that over that one on purpose. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, it, it didn't look too compelling. I mean, I, I uh, kind of checked some early reviews and uh, it, it has sort of a Philip K. Dick kind of feel, but I just, you know, unless like Steven Spielberg is directing him, I don't usually care anymore for like his sci-fi movies. No, I... I also feel that way, but for some reason, I'm I still feel some kind of need to see this movie. Um, I don't know why. I, I have a thing for post-apocalyptic kind of movies, so I guess it draws me in that way. But I could I could be convinced. <laughs> <laughs> we should uh, have a few drinks and go see it. <laughs> yep, pretty much, pretty much. I've always loved the movies, though. I, I mean, I've been a moviegoer since I was a kid. Well, speaking of post-apocalyptic, what's the um? Okay, let's see here. The uh, Neil Blomkamp has a post, sort of a semi-post-apocalyptic movie, um, and it's got Matt Damon in it. Uh, it's um, it's his. It's it's not set in the same universe as District Nine, but it's his follow-up like film after District Nine. Um, really? Yes. What the hell is it called? All right, you may hear typing because I totally have to look this up here. I love District Nine. That was that was an incredible movie. Neil Blomkamp. I could, if I could spell Neil Blomkamp. Okay, the movie is called Elysium. Uh, but it's not, and it's going to be out this summer. Yeah, it's, it's, it's Matt Damon. <laughs> it's Matt Damon and uh, Jodie Foster. Um, the trailer looked wow. really interesting, although in, in typical Neil Blomkamp fashion, I think the trailer is a little misleading, just like the District 9 trailers were. As to what the film is really about, but yeah, that that also looks cool. It's one of those post-apocalyptic, semi-post-apocalyptic deals. Um, and in fact, that you're mentioning the Tom Cruise thing reminded me of it because it's another one of those deals where like the cool people live in like the ring thing, the ring colony that's around the Earth, and all the crappy poor people live on the Earth, and one's a utopia and one is not. And then Matt, Matt Damon. Goes I think I would watch it. Oh I'd yeah, of course. I'm, I'm behind this movie now. <laughs> yeah. I'm also just seeing in this list, there's also apparently a sequel to 300 coming out. I had no idea. Oh, really? No idea at all this really? was happening. But, but not directed by Zack Snyder, right? Uh, no, Murrow is the director. Oh, I, I could but same, same, Some of the same people, I guess. Lena Headey is in it. She was the, like, the queen. Sarah Connor. Uh, but no, wasn't it... Wait, who was the lead character? Was it Gerard Butler? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. yes. No Gerard Opera. Butler. So, oh, yeah, he died. How could he be in it? Silly. God. Sorry, everyone. Well, I guess this year, our, our fill for Zack Snyder movies is in the form of Superman. Yeah. Because yes. he's directing Man of Steel. I literally, I saw that in the paper over the weekend, and I was like, seriously, is there going to be another Superman movie? Oh yeah, because there is. I can't. I just like. I'm so dis. Like I love Superman so much, but I feel like it just keeps getting done in the wrong way. Yeah. So it's just always. I just like. It's like being let down over. Like I don't see. I don't see these movies because they just come out and people are like, "Oh, they're too stilted and boring." But well, you know, um, Superman Returns was could have been so good. You know, they did mm-hmm. so many things right, um, and. Um, What's his name? The uh, guy who played Superman, um, Brandon Ralph. 
Yes. Dude, I like he he figured out somehow like how to magically channel Christopher Reeve. I mean, he was to to people that are my age who grew up with the 70s Superman, the you know, late 70s movies and the early 80s movies Superman 1, 2 and 3. Um Brandon Routh looks exactly like Superman is supposed to look. And if that movie had been like 2 hours of him flying around saving airplanes, dude, that would have been the greatest Superman. Would have been awesome. Ever. Unfortunately, they had this Plot with Lex Luthor and a boat and an island and I don't know. I quit paying attention because it made the movie suck. But if it would just if it had just like Brandon Routh nailed it, and if they could have just done a movie that dropped all the crap, it would have been so amazing. Because I mean, when he showed up and the music started playing and he's saving people, dude, that was like I almost started crying. It was so good. Well, that's what people want. But I now this is not a spoiler at all. So listeners, if if you're checking this out, like I'm not going to give anything away, but. Just from look and feel and the, the trailer and the general premise, it looks like Superman's still having his psychological problems. You know, he's a little depressed or something. And I, that's what I, did not work for me in that previous movie that you just talked Superman about. Superman needs, like, a Prozac. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> I feel like, see, I feel like the Batman movies are so, like, incredibly popular. But Batman is such a... He's a very dark hero, whereas Superman is a very optimistic hero. And I feel like he could be like, you know, how millennials are just like unbridled optimism. Like you can't you can't make them shut up. They're so happy all the time. I feel like Superman could really well, you be know, like, a, you know, like their superhero, but wow. nobody is making the right Superman movie. Well, why are people afraid of making something that is like that, where the, the hero is just that archetype? Probably well, I would think they're looking too hard at Superman or sorry, at Batman and Spider-Man and like these tortured versions of these superheroes. Yes. And saying, oh, these are so uh, successful. So yes. we have to like drag Superman down. I mean, the last one we had that I would say is like in the general pop culture consciousness would be Harry Potter. And I mean, no matter what, as dark as it got, he was still sort of like Harry Potter, happy, go lucky to a certain extent. And I don't see why they couldn't just stick with that for Superman. Well, there's, I mean, you know, who, who's always damn happy is Captain America. <laughs> I just have to complain about that. Yeah. Like the guy has, he has, it's not just that he's happy, but he has no character flaws in mm-hmm. any way. Like he's like the, has the heart of gold, you know, is the nicest guy ever. doesn't take advantage of women, you know, all this stuff. Whereas all the other superheroes have at least some kind of character flaw. Um, and that's what makes them interesting. I thought his character so. flaw was that he's like a former skinny nerd and like, doesn't, no, like he knows how yeah, but, he knows how well, to be good, but like doesn't is just like maybe socially. Off. I never saw the Captain America movie. I saw I just saw the Avengers, so that's my only Captain America. I guess you could say that, but I feel like that just plays into the character of being so so warm hearted mm-hmm. and and good. Yeah. I mean, which is fine, but you know, it's just that, like you were saying, <laughs> Batman and uh, even Superman now, who like needs depression medication. <laughs> Uh, everyone has some something going on. So. Well, there's so much. That's just so my side rant. All of these. I mean, it's the same difficulty that they're going to face, um, sort of a little bit if they choose to face it with the new Star Wars films. Is you know, anytime you're making a superhero movie, you've got 50 years almost of comics for you know very all the various types of the DC and the Marvel and everything. You've got this huge long tail of kind of extended universe extra canon stuff that's been written and then over then undone and then redone and, and characters dying and being brought back to life and parallel universes and this and that. And it's, you know, it's really hard to figure out. Typically the movies take precedence from a Canon perspective, but it's hard to figure out, you know, what, 
what do you do in a superhero movie that the comics didn't already do, you know, in a, in, in, in incredibly great detail. And if you do something new, are you going to piss off, you know, the 10 billion people, comic book guys who love the comics are used to, how do you get them to come and watch your movie? If you don't stick at least a little bit to the canon, it's a complicated problem. It's the same thing with star Wars and the extended universe stuff. They're going to have to figure out a way to ignore or deal with. Yeah, and you you can never really please everybody. I now I will say for for the record, I like when movie makers take a big chance on reinterpreting the character or pushing it into a, kind of a new angle. Yes. So I'm really open to it. I, I really love it, and um, I hope that some of these movies do it. But um, I don't know. It's it's just tricky, you know. If you grew up with any of those comics or the TV shows, you get mad sometimes. Like Wonder Woman. Will they ever make? A Wonder Woman uh, series or show that can surpass Linda Carter? We don't know. I want to know. Maybe. They tried a uh, campy um, Batman-type version of Wonder Woman that lasted for like a pilot episode in the uh, Mm -hmm. late 60s, early 70s. I think I saw that on like BuzzFeed or something a couple of weeks ago. No one likes campy anymore. Campy is out. Yeah. Yeah. They would have to make, you know what I would watch? I would watch like a dark Wonder Woman movie. They need to like ha- make her have some serious issues well, like you know, Batman. I, I will recommend the animated <laughs> uh, movies that DC has rolled out. There's one or two with Wonder Woman as uh, the lead. And they they kind of really go there, even though it's animated. Really? It's, it's really her story. She's on the uh, huh. island of Amazons. And uh, it's it's pretty cool. It's dark. I'll have to check that out. I have not yeah, seen it's that. Not a, it's not comic booky, but the Battlestar Galactica guys tried to do a Wonder Woman, or not Wonder Woman, we're talking about Wonder Woman, tried to do a Bionic Woman reboot um, a few years ago that was very dark. Uh, and, you know, remember that Bionic Woman was the spinoff show from the $6 million man. Um, and it, they tried to take it to some very, very dark places um, and do weird stuff with it. It ended up getting canceled after a few episodes, but you, know, you could try watching that. There's not much of it, so you wouldn't have to watch a lot of it. <laughs> That's what I like. No commitment. <laughs> so with all this movie watching, you guys, you know, one of the things that we talked about in, in putting the show together was to, to kind of look back and see how much the internet and even just viewing stuff at home on a computer screen, on a tablet, how that's changed the way that we go to movies. Clearly, everybody here is, has gone to the movies to some extent. But, um, you know, how are things different for you now? Because some people are going to the movies less now that they can do more at home with good quality video. So one of the things that I do that I think a lot of people still kind of resist is that um, some movies, of course, not all of them, um, but some movies now are doing simultaneous release with like iTunes, for example, or sometimes they even release it like a week ahead of time on iTunes um, along with the movie theaters. And um, I know, like, I totally know and understand the argument for why you would want to see something in a theater. Um, However, sometimes there are movies that I just don't care as much about. So when I see them on iTunes and I'm just like, oh, it just got released in the theater just now and it's also on iTunes, I'm very happy to rent it there. So um, I would say that I have actually watched more movies that way now. Um, I watched a few things that were simultaneous release and I was pretty happy about it. So I don't know. That's one thing that's sort of... It's like getting me to watch more movies, but at the same time, it's keeping me out of the theater. So I don't know how the movie studios really see that. I have noticed that 
movies that I see, I mean, I can't, I can't really notice this because I can't ever see a movie for the first time twice, but I feel like movies that I see at home, um, I almost always like, I, I was surprised. I only realized this within like the last year, maybe, but, um, I was surprised to learn that I, I feel like movies do have much less of an impact on me when I'm watching them in my, in my little apartment on my computer screen or on my tablet or, you know, if it's TV show or whatever. But, um, it's, I, I think there's just so much to be said for, um, the way we can be distracted by, you know, everything, Twitter, <laughs> Twitter, the internet, whatever, that there's still a place where they'll lock you in a dark room where it's only pretty much you in the screen and the really loud sounds the movie is making for two hours or whatever. I, I think that really does have much more of an impact on me. So I do feel a loss when there's like a movie that is supposed to be really good that I end up watching at home. I feel like it does impact me less overall than when I do see a really good movie in the theaters. And that's a really good point. Consumption, like the way you consume a movie, you know, to use, to, to abuse the word consume, the way you consume a movie is often important uh, to, to the director's vision of how the movie is supposed to look. We were kind of talking a little bit, before the podcast started about David Lynch, who very famously uh, hates, you know, people watching, watching his movies on their phones, watching any movies on their phones, uh, the, the method of consumption, you know, sitting down in a movie theater with, you know, speakers and everything in a dark room and watching him, watching someone else's artistic vision uh, and absorbing it. And oftentimes doing that with other people sitting around you is, is an important part of, of that vision. Uh, some directors are more, vocal about it than others. Lynch certainly is. But I mean, there's, there's a lot to be said about actually still going to the theater. And that being said, I don't think I've been to see a movie in the theater, but like two or three times in the past year. Uh, but to some directors, this, you know, this, the watching movies at home, watching movies on your phone, watching a movie while you're on a plane is a total anathema. And it's completely against what their vision is of, of how you should see the movie. Well, you know, as a technology, it completely revolutionized the world. If you look at what was what the late 18th, late 19th century, early 20th, I mean, that technology was just blew people away. Like, I guess what would today be something kind of like an iPhone or or the internet. You know, back then you would go see movies and just be just floored by a train, you know, moving across the screen and having it look so photoreal. Um, and so it's interesting because people grew up with that as a thing that you went and did with other people. So I think there's a place for it. But, um, I mean, I'll even admit I, I, I watch fewer movies now. And maybe it's, maybe it's because of New York because they're more expensive. But uh, that's not necessarily the case. Like Jackie mentioned, some of those direct, those simultaneous releases between the movie theaters and iTunes, I do that stuff now too because – a lot of the documentaries that I like or independent movies show up there. And I like seeing a lot of those, but sometimes I don't want to pay $15 for something that isn't going to dazzle me visually. I know that sounds terrible, but that's kind of my logic. No, I agree. I think that's certainly why, I mean, it's not that any of the movies that I'm renting are like truly lesser, but it's, it's something that wouldn't necessarily get me to leave the house. So I, I figure the movie studios must still appreciate me because I'm at least still giving them money. Um, but I, I mean, it does exchange, it does change the experience though. I mean, certainly it's just kind of what you're up for at the moment, I guess. I, I think I, to, to argue with myself a little too, I think that 
um, even though there is this like sort of very focused experience in theaters, it's like the, the experience of like, sometimes when I've gone to see a movie, even if it's getting bad reviews, I just think it's something that might be up my alley. Like I think the, the, the most recent example I can think of is sucker punch, which is like, I think, you know, over a year old now, um, at least, but, um, the whole watching at home is sort of a way to hedge against a boring movie or a movie that's not really, that turns out to not be what you, what you, as good as you thought it was going to be. So like, I mean, this sort of ties into, I guess the way Jackie started this off, it's like, it's a way it's, it's a much better way to enjoy movies. You aren't sure you're going to really like, because you have, if, if it does turn out to be not so great, you can, distract yourself with all the things you normally distract yourself with during the day or just get up and leave without feeling like you're, you know, or that people. too. Stop it after 20 minutes. Yeah. If you have to, Oh, that's true. I have done that. And that can only really happen at home to leave at a movie where you've paid the money is really difficult. I've only done mm-hmm. it once, I think, but have you ever got, I don't even know that I have you ever tried ever to done leave it. and gotten a refund. No, I should have tried that. It was Waterworld. Ooh. You know what, it's not- <laughs> nice. <Yeah>. Wow. <laughs> oh my god, the only person who likes Waterworld is Ugh, right here in this not, podcast. It's not that bad. No, it's I have like the postman. I have enjoyed Waterworld. <laughs> it's not bad. You know what? I actually turned off and quit watching very recently, watching at home, renting on iTunes, um the uh, uh, Sean, uh Gangster Squad. The uh the gangster mm. movie, the one that oh. just came out. With where they had to reshoot mm-hmm. the ending because of the because of the movie theater shooter and all that, I, I went ahead and rented it, uh, figuring you know, hey, I'm sitting at home, I've got nothing to do. It's like Sunday afternoon, I'll watch this movie, and it was I had to, I turned it off. And if I'd seen that in the theater, I I would have felt probably a little self conscious about getting up and leaving. Uh, mm-hmm. Didn't like it. Didn't like it at all. You know, there's one other factor here that's really interesting. I, I had a conversation with my uh, boyfriend Matt, who I've mentioned sometimes. Uh, he's got a tighter relationship with television where, you know, you watch a series and you watch the whole season and he just likes TV a lot more. And I usually want to watch a movie instead of watching television. But he says that a movie feels like a lot of commitment because you have to put a certain amount of attention on it. So it's kind of what we're talking about here. But um, it, it was interesting. I, I, I've never felt like the bar was set so high for a movie. I mean, I'll, I guess that means I'll watch any movie. <laughs> and that is true. Like B-horror movies or just kind of stuff that didn't make the cut uh, I think is interesting on a movie making level. Well, that, that is interesting because I've got a friend who is a, a kind of an amateur filmmaker who feels the, the exact opposite. He will not watch episodic TV. Absolutely. I mean, he'll watch PBS huh. from time to time, but like sitting down and like committing to try to get him into Battlestar Galactica. And he was like, you want me to watch four seasons of this guy? How many hours is that? There's just not enough time in the day. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, that, those are some I mean, strong I could, opinions. I could well, get behind. A, I certainly, I could get behind the idea that TV is more suited to our attention spans these days. Like, I, I am, I am much more of a TV person than I am a movie person. Um, I watch a lot of TV, but I feel like I really, I have, I have almost unreasonably high standards for what I will see in a theater, and then still somewhat high standards for what movie I'll watch at home, even though I'll watch like. I'll sit down for a night and watch, you know, four or five episodes of West Wing or something like that. Some new TV show that there's just like a huge chunk of it available and I can just like go through it. And it doesn't make sense at all, but it's just the way. 
I'm with you. The way I operate. My yeah. wife and I are powering through Archer right now. And oh my God, it is awesome. Yep. Archer is an amazing, amazing show. Yes. I think that's also what makes things different. We have the internet and we have, you know, tablets and mobile, but television has evolved where it is just as good as movies. And I never thought I would see that in my life. When, not when I was a kid anyway, because TV was always considered lesser than movies. That's true. Yeah. I, I certainly, I, I can really commit to a few TV series. Like, uh, you know, I definitely watch Mad Men, for example, but I, I wouldn't say that I particularly love TV overall. I, you know, I think, I do have to be really interested in the certain plot line of a particular show. Um, but, you know, that said, like you said, Cesar, it's, it's a lot more like movies now than it used to be, uh, TV is. So, I don't know. I it, I like it. I think it may be t- part of TV's appeal may be that, like, in, you know, in three episodes of The West Wing, there's, like, I mean, not every thought is completed, but you could probably say there's at least two or three completed thoughts per episode. So you get, like, arcs completed several of them within that three hours whereas a movie is like one long usually just one arc that gets completed over about the same time period and it's just not i prefer i prefer maybe it's just like the rate the rate of satisfaction like the rate of problems to solutions presented just feels much higher with tv and maybe that's why i find it so much more enjoyable to watch well and for for creators, whether it's a novelist or a screenwriter or a TV writer, that have very detailed worlds that they built in their heads. TV is really satisfying for a viewer because they can go really deep into the details or the the side quests (laughs) and Mm. the side characters. Uh, You know, you look at um, Game of Thrones, which is doing super well. They they cut a lot of the the minor storylines, but it's still very satisfying because in a movie, even if they made, let's say, the seven movies... It's not the same. You can do so much more over a full season of television shows. Yeah, I support that. Game of Thrones, also amazing. I love, I think I just love, I love TV so much. TV's amazing. <laughs> well, it sounds like we're going to have to make a television uh, specific podcast episode in the future. We could, we could totally oh, yeah. do that and talk about the rise yes. of episodic TV versus standalone, standalone type TV. Ooh, mm-hmm. that's sure to get people oh. riled up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Awesome. So we asked uh, some of our uh, Twitter followers uh, for Ars Technica. Hey, you guys, if you want to follow us, by the way, it's at Ars Technica. We've never mentioned it on the show, but we're doing it today. And uh, they wrote back to us talking about what, what it was about the Internet and mobile devices that have changed the way that they uh, go, go to the movies. And so uh, we just have a few. I'm just going to read a couple. Uh, sorry, I can't read every single one. But um, thank you for sending these in. We've got uh, the shark lady telling us uh, that ordering tickets online and choosing the exact seat that I want is kind of that feature that she loves. Yeah. And uh, she thinks that's one of the coolest things ever. Oh, my God. Yes. Yes. A thousand times. Yes. Wait, (laughs) is she saying is she saying that's a feature of of her home or features of theaters? Of the movie. Like you can. Yeah. I've never known of a theater that can do this. Oh, it's awesome. I've done it in Chicago, never in, never in New York, but in Chicago you can choose at certain theaters. I think Eleanor wow. Draft House does it if you guys have any of those. I know they're starting to uh, expand. There is one coming to New York soon, so yeah. And you can do it usually in the app too, whatever you're using to, to wow. purchase it. So especially for the big movies. <laughs> what do you, you do? 
What's that? What do you do when you go when you go to buy tickets and like the only thing you want are because because we all know there are the perfect seats and then there's yeah. all of the other seats. Uh-huh. So what do you do when you go and you like oh my god I'm gonna like this this showing for Man of Steel gonna be there yeah. perfect seats gonna do it and then you go and it's like those two seats are taken. Like I feel <laughs> like that would just be terrible. Then I guess throw down the mic and walk away. <laughs> yeah, delete the app. No. Cross your iPad under a truck. Actually, I think it's interesting. You, you go to the bar that, that these kinds of theaters have, and you drink until you don't care where you sit, and then you go see the movie, and it's hilarious. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I also feel like it's, it's, in my case, it has uh, ignited better interactions with my friends because it, it has happened. Like we've tried to go see Harry Potter in Chicago, uh, where you pick the seats, and we were all ready. We couldn't get the showing that we wanted because the seats just weren't good enough. So we actually had to wait. I think it was a whole day to see it. And, you know, that you have to go back and forth. I thought that was kind of interesting. You know, it forces you to talk to your friends a little more. If that, if it gets a it makes It, it kind of makes people commit, too, if there's going to be a seat. Like, definitely going to be a well, seat. You for feel that. like you've worked hard for that seat. Okay. <laughs> yeah. uh, let me read a couple more here. Uh, let's see. Uh, from Matt Francis, he tells us that it's easier to go to the movies now, spur of the moment, because of easy access to things like Flickster and Fandango for the movie times, ticket purchasing, but also the immediate reviews from friends on Twitter and Facebook, that that really is kind of what does it. And that didn't really exist before. You couldn't just call up every friend and tell them, like, tell me what you think of the latest uh, blockbuster. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, that is true, actually. I think certainly nowadays it's a lot easier to find out what the general public thinks, but not just the public, but like people in your bubble think like instantly before you go. I think so. That's definitely I think cool. that ends up putting me off of a lot more movies though than like, I think <laughs> if, if, if the film industry wanted me to see movies, they would shield me from that stuff as much as possible. Because like in the olden days, you would like have the paper, have Roger Ebert's syndicated review and he gives it, you know, whatever, two and a half stars. And you're like, oh, he's wrong or right. And then you would go see the movie and to see which one it is. And it's like a 50% chance. But then now it's like, there's, it's like, if there's something to be criticized, people will find it. And it's like, it seems so much louder. Yeah. Yeah. When I was a teenager, we we would, (laughs) man, when I was a teenager, we'd call movie phone and listen to the reviews and trailers on movie phone. Oh yeah. Hello and welcome to movie phone. (laughs) (laughs) Oh God. That's a good impersonation of the voice. Yeah, well, that was really good. That was awesome. Uh, and then here's the last one of the ones that I'll read. Everybody else who didn't make it into this one, uh, let, we'll throw out more questions for the next show. But uh, XX Super Jude XX, that's truly his Twitter name, uh, tells us about paying for tickets online. But really, this one's kind of neat. I've done this before. Um, getting the ticket put right into your phone. Uh, you can use Passport on iOS, or you can just have a barcode reader. But you don't have to have the paper anymore. You can just flash it and get into the into the movie theater. I love doing that. That is nice. Not having to wait in line to buy to actually buy tickets mm-hmm. is a lovely thing. Actually, it makes me wonder who are the people who are waiting in line. That's that's something I mean, that I'm always so confused about when I go to a movie theater and there's like. 18 people in line buying tickets and then there's the Fandango machines like standing open. It's like, do you like, I, how is this? This is not like transcended the, the movie going consciousness that there are machines that you can buy these tickets from. Like I never see. I know it's very confusing. It's so weird. Even at the airport now they make you 
even at the airport now, they make you um, use the damn automated check-in things. So, like, why wouldn't they put more of them in the movie theater? I don't know. Right. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> no one knows. Who knows? Literally, I, I think there's. We should have a. We should stage a poll technica at a movie theater. Like, just go up to people in line buying tickets. Like, why are you not using that machine right over there? That's perfectly good. You're discriminating <laughs> against the eventual singularity. I feel. Oh, seriously. I mean, just make it simple. <laughs> you, yeah. You know, wh- here's the other thing. After all these decades and decades of movie making and improving the technology, why do we still have those horrendous 15 minutes before the preview start where they throw up the worst ads and announcements on those TV, on those screens? Like, couldn't we do something by now where, like, it's actually a little bit more interactive or Do you remember that, when least? that space wasn't advertised against when there weren't ads there it was just like you would go into the dark theater and you would sit until the preview started i would pay for that now those were the days yeah i mean for a while it was like the fact the slideshows of like movie facts yeah yeah yeah. and eventually you knew them all but those were great i liked those yeah Yeah. and then they would play like cheesy music and you just kind of hang out and wait Mm -hmm. yeah those are the good old days Man. Man. Hello and welcome right, well. to Movie Fall. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I bought my Phantom like Menace tickets on Movie Phone uh, when Phantom Ugh. Menace came out. Ugh. I was so excited. The movie wasn't good. I was, I was excited to buy the tickets. When I was in high school, whenever I was like testing a phone for whatever reason, like if you needed, I don't know why I did this, but if you needed to test to see if a phone was working, I would always call Movie Phone as like a default. I don't know why. <laughs> wow. It always, it always weirded me out that it was like the same guy in every market and like there were local ads everywhere. Like that dude must have done nothing but just like read, read Movie Phone text. <laughs> Because we had local ads. It was like, I wonder what he's like up to local now. Local papers like, welcome to Movie Phone, brought to you by, you know, Rock 101 KLOL and the Houston Chronicle. Shit, I'll remember that until the day I die. And, you know, <laughs> the Houston Chronicle wasn't sponsoring Movie Phone in Los Angeles or Chicago. I mean, what did he say in you guys' town? Man. I guess I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't actually remember. It's been so long. I could probably count on my two hands the number of times I used, like, a landline phone in my in my under eighteen life, Ugh. I probably still could. Oh my I, god! I just don't like <laughs> don't like using phones. Hmm. I don't want to think about it. <laughs> one day we will say these things about our little app word with the barcode. Yeah. Like that doesn't exist <laughs> at the movie theater anymore. We'll we'll laugh. Remember that day. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we're coming up on the time for this show, so I'm going to wrap up. Um, thank all you guys for being on the show, as always. Thank you. Um, Thank you guys for listening, as always. Uh, if you want to leave reviews or comments or anything, you can leave them on ours, um, on the post for the podcast. You can leave them on um, iTunes, and you can leave them on SoundCloud, I believe. And um, let's see, what else? One last thing. Uh, I guess this is technically going to be my last uh, Ars Technicast as the host. I am taking on a role of editor-at-large at 
Ars Technica, so I will no longer be the senior Apple editor, but I will still be around. And um, because I'll still be around, I may pop up again on the podcast. Um, so in the meantime, I think uh, Cesar and Casey are going to take over and you guys will continue to have all the awesome podcast goodness that you've had up to this point. So um, that's it. <laughs> Bye, Jackie. All right. Bye, Jackie. <laughs> Oh, uh, <laughs> oh, you know what? Oh. This is totally perfect because when you come back later as a guest, like you can walk in the door and there can be like applause, <laughs> well, like an applause sound that plays. Yes. <laughs> you'll have to uh, you'll have to talk Cesar into doing that because he's the editor. <laughs> Easily done. I'll get Easily I'll done. get the I'll get the old fashioned like board of buttons that make sounds that radio DJs have, and I'll just like integrate it into my track, and he won't be able to do anything about it. <laughs> <laughs> just like randomly, randomly throughout the show, there will be like honking yeah. horns and applause. Oh, I, I completely have... welcome this idea. Let's do it. <laughs> you have your own I'm laugh track. I'm pretend like I'm, I'm troubled by it and like I'm actually resisting it. But you guys go ahead and just do it. <laughs> Beautiful. Uh, that will be awesome. All right. Okay, cool. Well, we'll see you guys later. <laughs> yeah. Adios. All right. <laughs> Bye. All right. Bye, Bye guys.